Welcome to the RPG Design Panelcast, a podcast presenting the very best recorded panels and seminars with regards to game design and publishing. This podcast has been made possible thanks to the fine folks at Double Exposure and their leading game design convention, Metatopia, from which all of these panels were recorded at Metatopia 2017. It's also thanks to the generous contributions of the panel speakers. Now let's get to the show. Episode 155, Killing Your Darlings and Why Editors Matter. Presented by John Adamus and Anne Stolinski. Talk about murdering some darlings. How exciting for everyone. No wonder you didn't have a lot of people show up. Yeah, well. You know. It's editing. It's editing their loss. Some, yes. So, uh, hi. Uh, right, because we're re recording, so this is a new audio file. Hi, I'm John Adamus. I'm the writer next door. Oh, I've got a little bit longer introduction. Go for it. <laughs> I'm Ann Stalinski. I am the owner of Gansa Games. I have three games on the market now. I am also, when I'm playtesting three games, so please look for my games. I, I would really love to have playtesters. And I am also a partner in an editing firm. We are full service, soup to nuts. We have a marketing department. We have an ebook formatting department. We edit anything and everything, and we create content, any, anything and everything. So at the end, I have business cards if anybody wants a business card. That's an so awesome that's a, intro. Thank you. I worked I sh- on it for I'm, days. I'm, I'm, I'm really proud of you. That's great. I should, I should dust off my longer intro. That'll be half a panel, and then we'll get to questions, and then we'll be done. So um, this, this is really why editing matters. So uh, first of all, yes, editing matters. Yes. Um, without it, things do not um, – things are not received well, just flat out. Um, you need to have things edited, and they need to be edited by people who are not you, the creator. Yes, there is a level of editing called revision that you yourself can do, but um, it, is, it is, to a degree, limited. Here's why it's limited. Uh, first and foremost, you are way too uh, emotionally and subjectively close to the material to catch all the errors, all the potential errors, and all the questions and odds and ends. Because you wrote it. So of course you think it's great. And of course this paragraph totally makes sense to you. And of course this idea is crystalline. But it might not be. So bringing in an editor is bar none the best thing you can do for your game or product or book or whatever to get it from it lives with me and it hangs out with me and it's my thing to this is going outward into the world where it will maybe do something, be well received, be popular, make me some money, etc. Editing is the, I would call it the crucible. Not so much that playtesting play is the crucible by which the idea will stand on its own two feet if you're making a game. Like, oh, playtesters engage with this and no one chased me out of the room and it didn't fall apart and I'm not crying. Score. Whereas editing is the crucible by which the broadcast of that idea is tested. Okay, I know this works in playtesting because I stood in the room and explained it to you, but now I've written it down. Now, somebody who halfway across the world 
they're going to pick up my stuff. I'm not going to be in that room to explain it to them. So there won't be my inflection or my nuance or my shorthand for it. I've got to be able to make sure the idea is in its entirety, please be in its entirety, and as clear as possible so that, oh, it can be like I'm in the room without me being in the room. The book does that for me and everybody gets it and the experience I intend to deliver to them is in that text. You don't, I'm sorry. Please, want, please, by all means. You don't want somebody to open up your product after you have worked on it so hard and slaved over it and you're, you're finally giving your baby to somebody else. You don't want them to open the box, if it's a board game, card game, whatever, and go, what the hell is this? How do I play this? I don't know how I get from A to B. This just doesn't work. So editing, a, a games rule editor will... Um, will take that product and go, okay, this doesn't work, and let you know that. Because if you put that product out there, people are going to, to really have a bad opinion of you because you're not caring enough to make your product the best that it can be, and they won't buy anything else that you put out. So you want to build your following, obviously, and, and put out more games. You need it to be as professional as it can be, as polished as it can be. And I would like to give one example. Um, my business partner and I edited a game. We edited the board, the box, the rules, the cards, uh, and I think that was it for a, a, a game designer. In the rules, he said, on the board, there's a diamond shape, and it says A, and when you get to that diamond shape, you do this. That was in the rules. On the board, it was a circle that said A, and on the box, it was, I don't know, a star that said A. So because we had all of it, we had the whole product, we could say to him, something's wrong, you need to adjust that. So that's what editing can do. Editing can help make it a better product. Ideally, the editor functions as the first line of readership. Because I, I will get a thing and go, okay, if I were playing this... Because you've got to sort of divorce the, the English teacher system out of it, right? It's not just like I'm going to grab my red pen and circle all your commas and tell you that's not how a semicolon works. Although I will do that. But beyond that, it's a matter of... I've got to think like the person who's receiving this finished book. Mm -hmm. Okay, if I'm supposed to be playing this thing, if I'm supposed to be interacting with this and using it in a, in a specific way, does this text allow me to do the thing you've been telling me this text allows me to do? Is it clear? Oh, God, clear. Hi, Tim. How are you? You're at the next one. You're at the next one. You're at the next one? Yeah. Yeah. You can hang out, though. Okay, I'll see you later. Um, lost my train of thought there, Tim. So... You've got to think, uh, thinking like the, the, the player, the audience, the reader, whatever you want to call them, is not an easy thing, but it's a developed skill over time. You do it enough times, you kind of get a sense of like, all right, this, this rule is supposed to be playable, right? I'm supposed to be, you know, rolling three dice. I don't, it's not that the rule needs to be so stark and, because uh, I've worked on products where it's like, the player will pick up three six-sided cubes, place them in their hand, close their hand, shake and discard. Yes, that is that is mechanically accurate. That's called army proofing. Right, but it 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 you could also just say roll three d six and create that shorthand that most people would understand. And even if you want to explain and go, we refer to six sided dice as d six. 
fine, delightful, wonderful. But you you want to um, the, the functioning as the reader, as the player, as the perspective reader and player. The editor's going to ask questions as to what. For example, what do you mean when you say this? You keep using this term. It's never defined. It's important to you because you've used it a million times, or maybe you've made it bold, or you've capitalized it, or you've italicized it. You've indicated to me that it is important, but I have no idea what it is, and it's not clear from text. That's It's okay. Like You're not a bad person for never explaining what this capital S term is. But you do need to say to somebody who isn't you what it means. So when in doubt, write something about it. Now, if you overwrite, if you go too far, and this isn't just army proofing, like pick hand, rotate wrist. Like I had a guy describe shuffling cards as withdraw cards, fan in hand, place thumb. Like he, he oh, hyper-diagrammed it. And I tried it, and he was wrong. Like he skipped <laughs> steps, and he had them out of order. Because it was, he could have just said shuffle the cards. The, the exact method by which I shuffle the cards is irrelevant. His game was not in the shuffling. His game came after the shuffle. You know, your character is not the explicit rolling of the dice. It is the product of the dice rolls, right? It's, and, and these are the facing questions we get so that we go, if I'm supposed to play this thing, it's got to be playable. If I, I should know what to do. I should be able to look at a book and go, how am I supposed to get from A to B? Right. Whatever A to B might be. Right. The, the worst thing you can do, worst thing in the world you can do is... Assume it's clear and move on. Because 99% of the time, it's not clear. It's clear to you because you wrote it and you know what you meant. But even if it is a grammatically functional sentence with all the correct parts and all the correct bits, it could still be an unclear sentence. Uh, example. Totally grammatical example. I went there. Period. Perfectly legit sentence. Totally functional. Tells you nothing. And it's about clarity and specificity. If you want somebody to do a thing, write it down. <laughs> Ideally proactively. Not not passively, not with a hat up in there, not with a, a variety of, of gerunds. Just tell them what to do. You get to dictate what they do. It's an instruction manual in part. It's also what's called an atmospheric guide, which is the idea of I want you to feel a certain way when you read my text. But it's also instructional because I want you to do stuff with it. I want you to make a character. I want you to tell a story. I want you to pretend such and such. I had two games, two children's card games, come out in 2008. And I, I, I'm an editor, but it, I wasn't doing it professionally at mm -hmm. the time. But still, my mind is just, yeah. I'm an editor. So I put out these two games, and I thought everything was perfect and somebody called me up and said, well, what do I do at the end of the round? Because I had neglected to put in the rules, shuffle the cards and start over. In my mind, that was obvious. And I did not have somebody else take a look at it. And I was embarrassed as hell. But honestly, you know, if the person was a gamer, they would have realized at the end of the round, you shuffle. But that's one thing that an editor, if I had had somebody else take a look at it, they would have gone, okay, this doesn't work. Uh, my business partner is not a gamer, and I am. So we each do every project. 
So I'll take a look at it because I'm the gamer. I'll take a look at the, the rules and I'll go blah, blah, blah. And then I'll give it to her and she'll go, well, wait a minute, what about this? Because she's not a gamer. So because of her comments, what about this? Sometimes it's just, don't worry about it. But sometimes it's, okay, that was a good good thought. I'm gonna have to, we're gonna have to tell the client about that because it just doesn't flow for somebody who may not be a gamer opening it up for the first time this is their first game that they're playing so you won't necessarily know exactly who's reading the thing you've made right you'll have an idea like oh i'm making a card game so my game will appeal to card game players but you don't know the person's level of experience specifically with right. card games they might be a 10-year veteran they might be you know third day i just bought my second pack of cards right you have to be able to account for that. And that doesn't mean you, 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 know, you lower the bar so low you've got to dig for it. It means you have to be able to be accessible, clear. And if that means you have to write bullet points to express a set of mechanics, that's fine. The expectation that it needs to look a certain way will trap you, absolutely bar none. It needs to look in whatever way it needs to look to accurately convey the information. That doesn't mean it always needs to be sidebars. That doesn't mean it always needs to be paragraphs of exactly four lines. Um, yes, there are aesthetic ways of developing that, but it, it doesn't always have to be that way. Your game is independent and unique from all the other ideas you will have, including if you produce multiple games, because it's different, because everything forward will teach you something, and you'll, you'll, that's how experience works. So it doesn't need to be perfect. There's no perfect. You don't need to be rigid about it. I talked about that in the last panel. It's a matter of what best conveys this information. And ideally, it comes down to, I need to put this in front of someone else so that I can make sure that what I think conveys information actually does the job I mean it to do. The, the larger business question here is, when do I involve the editor in this process? At the end. <laughs> no. Okay, go ahead. We are of, we are of different opinions in this, which is fantastic, <laughs> and I was kind of hoping we were. I'm of the... Now, granted, there are different types of editing to do. Right. So each type of editing happens at a different stage. Obviously, proofreading and copy editing happen way later than developmental and mechanical editing. Right. Because one is about words and sentences and grammar and layout to some degree, whereas developmental let's just go through the types of editing then i think that might be an easier way to do this good does that make sense yes okay so here is um here's the starter end of the pool and we'll work our way towards completion all right so we're starting at big concept and we're, we're uh, what's the word funneling down that's what i want to say developmental or mechanical and sometimes called structural because god forbid we just have one name for a thing uh, developmental editing, uh, also called narrative design, because, you know, again, we love titles for things, uh, is the broadest help you sort out your idea and make some concrete basal decisions. It's a question of, oh, you want to make a game about um, the ugliest squirrel in Squirrel Town? That's a game I, I talked to somebody about yesterday. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's amazing. It's a terrible title, but it's, it's evocative. Squirrels. Squirrels. So if you want to make this particular game, and you've got to start creating boundaries for it. Well, it's a game about squirrels, so it's clearly not a game about pirates. 
and it's clearly not a board game, and it's clearly this, and it, it, what it is and what it is not. And then pursuant to that, you start building to it. Okay, what am I supposed to do? Are there dice? Is there a GM? Is there no GM? Is it collaborative? Is it competitive? And you start building structure to it. That's why it used to be called structural editing. You are erecting the basis for the game to a certain point where drafts can be produced. It gives you a body, a template, an outline, a skeleton, whatever you want to call it. Um, from there, you can move into um, draft production. And once you get into draft production, you can move into something called line editing. Um, it used to be called word editing, but that became confusing for obvious reasons. Line editing starts to look at draft composition, like the words you put on the page, as well as some of the idea it conveys. You're saying this. It means A. Do you intend for it to mean A? If you say shuffle the cards, do you understand that that means they're going to take the cards and shuffle them? If, you, if, you, if you've written down shuffle the cards, but you mean discard two cards and draw new, totally a different concept. Make sure the words on the page do and say what they mean. The most, it is the most common level of RPG editing. You've written a thing, now we're going to poke it with a sharp stick and see if it says and means what you think it does. Super common. So then you produce more drafts. You get questions, you get, oh, well, what does this mean? What does that mean? Do you mean this? Why is this a six? This, you know, I don't, I don't get what's up with this word, that kind of stuff. And then from there, you get into copy or proof. Proofreading, copy editing, roughly the same thing. And that's, a, that's basically what your English teacher used to do to you, minus the letter grade. <laughs> it's the stuff of like commas, periods, sentence structure. It's of the, of the levels of editing, it's the most superficial. I don't mean that in a temporary or irrelevant way. It just deal, it deals with the words on the page. It does not tr deeply question the mechanics of it. This is proofreading is not the level at which you go. Maybe it's time I use a ten-sided die. That that comes earlier in Way the process. Before. That's deeper. This is more like you keep using the word you know thrilling. It has two L's in it. It just does. That's the word. Or you keep using m dashes. That's not how an m dash works. This is how an m dash works. It is the most visual and aesthetic and interpretive of the editing methodologies. I will tell you that what I do best is narrative design and developmental editing. I help make, I, I get ideas off the ground and into drafts and through drafts. I do not copy edit. It makes my, it makes my body hurt. It is, <laughs> it is irritating. I did that for too many years. I've been doing this 20 years. I did too much proofreading. It hurts. I'm, I'm better than that and I deserve better and frankly you deserve better than my proofreading. Because I want to get, I want to roll my sleeves up, and I want to get my hands dirty, and I want to question the hell out of it. I want to interrogate your stuff. Okay, what does it do? How does it do this? What do you mean to do? Okay, have you thought about this, 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 this? I'm, I'm way more dynamic. I'm way more beneficial for you in that capacity. So at that level of editing, you bring me in early, and I will hang out with you all the way through because I will throw an audience and some marketing ideas and pitch ideas. I, I, I'm there for the ride, man. I love doing that stuff. And proofreading can go be over there and be proofread, and that's somebody else's bag because it drives me nuts. Up to a point, and then you, so you produce the draft, you get it polished, you run it through playtesting, and you're like, okay, I think I'm done. And done goes in air quotes because it's, I'm no longer adding necessary elements to it. Any change I make is superficial. 
Oh, instead of um, saying the castle has two stories, I'm going to make it three. No, I should make it four. No, I should make it one. No, it should be a, 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 a hovel or whatever. Superficial decisions that ultimately do not impact play. They're just de descriptive elements. That's sort of the level when you know it's done. And that's where you bring in the proofreader. And that's, or, the, or the copy editor, or whatever you want to call them. I don't mean to make it sound pejorative. It's just, it's a function I no longer serve. And you should have one of these people do these things. I'm not saying it's terrible and bad. It's just not my bag. And that comes in later. It makes no, all right, I'll say this right now, because there was a question I got last year at, the, at this panel. Can I get a proofreader in early? No. It doesn't, like, because I had some, the, the question was, I'm playtesting this week. Should my, should my copy editor start Tuesday when I get home? No. You're still playtesting. You're not done. Keep, you still have game to make. The nearer you get to doneness, you bring in that proofreader to sort of proof. Um, and make sure, oh, this, this looks the way it looks. It makes sense to me. Get it. So why do you think it should come at the end? Well, copy editing should come right. at the end. Why? But I, I, it just reminded me mm -hmm. of something funny. The first time I met John, I had finished my game like a week before the convention, and right. this was the first Metatopia. So I'm frantically, huh? That was ages ago. Six years ago. Yeah. It, it was. Uh, I was frantically trying to change. You know, to finish my game. I did not have time to send it to my business partner for her to edit. I just said, okay, you know, the, the mechanics are there. My grammar might not be absolutely perfect, but I'm going to bring the game anyway. All of the instructions right. were there. You could play the game. I might have two thes in a row, you know. So John is playing my game, and as he's doing it. Because <laughs> I, 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 I can't turn it off. It, right, it I can't stop. either. I can't either. So that was my introduction to John. But um, my business partner and I have not developmentally edited an RPG. We have for uh, well, I can't. We have basically for other games, for board games and card games. But it's more of a developmental and a line edit at the same mm -hmm. time. Yeah, that that that's often the case. Right. So we've done that. Um, and, and we hope that people come back to us after they've changed everything to make sure that, you know, everything is grammatically correct at the end. But they don't always. But we have done that. Um, we have developmentally edited novels, uh, manuscripts, yep. um, screenplays, you know, all that kind of stuff. And, and when we do that, we give uh, an overall evaluation with it. So in the evaluation, we're telling you about your character arcs, which would be like in an RPG, um, you're saying, well, this character Level can do, is that what it's called? Yeah. Thank you. It's it's character arcs. Character arcs in a novel are level progression and characters. My character is now level six. Well, here's the arc for level six. Okay, so that's what we do when we're editing a manuscript. Um, my business partner would love to just sit there and edit, you know, copy edit. She's, she's, um, she loves it. I'm, I'm um, very happy for her, but that sounds like madness. <laughs> That's what she would love to do. I'm good with the developmental, but uh, so we're a, a good match. But um, I don't know where the heck I was going with that. Why do you think it needs to be brought in at the end? Is that just because, oh, yes, of, where because the, of the function it serves? Yes, yes. The the earlier the editor comes into play, the more usually the more numerous and more intensive. The questions that get asked 
the later in the process, the more usually the more fixed or the more firmed up or concretized, whatever you want to call it, the more set in stone the idea is, and the the less willing the person is to change it. So if developmentally I come to you very early on and go, okay, I th I think you're rolling one too many dice. You're trying to get this certain mathematical curve. And you're rolling one too many dice, and you are now outside of that curve more often than you're in the curve. And I hate doing that math. I'm good <laughs> at it, but I hate doing that math because it's it's math, and I'm not a. I have to write it like I have to like write it out longhand. I can't do it in my head. I've always had to like one two like uh, it's a pain in the ass. But those questions have a much more profound effect as you move forward because all of a sudden if I'm pulling a, a die out of your pool and you've got a dice pool game we are creating a very specific boundary or if I say hey I mm -hmm. think your game is is competitive I think I think I'm trying to best the other player I think A is trying to beat B because you've got us taking each other's cards and stopping and interrupting play like in a, as in a card game and you've never talked about it being competitive you keep calling it collaborative, but I'm, we're never helping each other. That's a fundamental issue that changes a load of things. Not just like, oh, the word I'm going to use on Kickstarter. It's also like the internal definition of the game. Yes, a proofreader absolutely can say, I'm not seeing a whole lot of collaboration in here. And it is a developmental question. It's not like the boundaries in this are very fixed. We're, we're not as fussy about like, I only, I mean, I only do these things because I've been doing it 20 years and I'm tired. Um, but yes, a copy edit, proof read, all that stuff, a line edit and developmental edit do blend together because as we see multiple drafts and, I, and you send it back to me, we go through the same process. Okay, now you've rewritten that paragraph. Great. Let's go to the next one and repeat. Or, oh, you've sent me this chapter or you've sent me this whole thing. So you do, you do iterate and repeat. So this process is more stratified it's layers it's not just you know i'm going to uh, i'm going to chisel the statue out of this marble so much as it is i'm going to build this out of successive layers of well written and clear material i think that's the easiest way to describe it um, so where does developmental editing end developmental editing ends when the draft is marked final um, but then it goes back to the creator yeah at least that's what what we do we send it back to the creator and the the guy Alex was asking a question about mm -hmm. um, changing things well it's up to the creator it's up to the designer you can accept what we say or you cannot accept what we say you know depending right but if you're giving something that is an obvious error right then you really should accept it but if it's just something stylistic, then you know it, it's up to you to do it because it's your product. Yeah, the, the thing about editing is that these are suggestions. Yes, they are suggestions tempered by my experience, education, and years of practice, but it's ultimately in Word a suggestion. You don't have to right-click and accept all the changes. In fact, right. please don't ever do that. That's, right. no, just don't do that. That's, no. Um, but if I chop out the word because I think it's more effective as an active verb and you want to have past tense because uh, you, you're loving the past tense, then you don't have to, you can disagree with me. I want people to disagree with me. I don't want people, I don't want you to call me an asshole or something, but I'm like, 
I want you to stand there and go, no, John, th- this is the way it is. It's go- you're, we're going to roll four dice. This is what we want to do. Okay, cool. Thanks for, you know, stick up for yourself. Advocate yeah. for yourself. <clears throat> so There's that, a reason you might have done that. And, yeah. And the developmental editor isn't in your head. You know, you can only do so much, right. but if if there's a reason, then you know that's yours. But it's a, but and I'm I'm asking not because I think it's a bad idea. I'm never asking if it's a bad idea. I am asking entirely because, hey, are you sure? Is this what you mean? Tell me more about your idea. Can you elaborate on this? Ideally in text, not just like, hey, John, let me explain it to you. Usually, I'm asking because I want to see it on the page. Maybe not translated exactly the same way we speak, because ideally we write it differently than we speak it. Proper English. <laughs> One would hope. Um, but the, the fact remains that I, I'm asking because, oh, clarify this, and then put it on the page. Don't, my, I, I, am, I, am, I will always tell you I'm right. I think everyone will always say they're right. It's, it's kind of a thing. But... You don't have to accept my change. Like if I change all your verbs to present tense because I want you to be more active in your instructions, and you're like, no, I want passive because I'm trying to create a level of, an, of atmosphere, or I'm trying to create lyricism in my text because I have a particular cadence. Okay, we can disagree. That's cool. Um, it doesn't mean I throw your thing across the room and go, this guy's a moron, I'm never working with him again. No, it's just, he wants to write in passive. Okay. I know not to go forward for the next 20 pages and fix this stuff because it's not going to matter. Part of that codification of what works and what doesn't and what you mean central to your idea gets put into what's called a style guide. A style guide will save your life. It's very simple. Here's what a style guide looks like. Usually, depending on... Now, there are... If, if you're a bigger company and you've got multiple games, you might have a style guide for the whole line. All the things that fall under this game umbrella, like Fate, right, for Evil Hat, I wrote the style guide. It covers a multitude of Fate core materials. There's dozens of books, and they all use standardized language. The idea of a style guide is to standardize and get every creator on the same page. Hey, when we use this word, uh, abilities is a very common one. When we use abilities, we always capitalize it because that's part of how, that's part of the mechanics in the book. When we use the word "you," we were, we are always referring to the player. When you know when this word shows up, it means this. When this thing was that, how and it also explains how you specifically spell certain things. So if you wanted, like, um, I'm working on a thing now where the word "artifact" is A R T E F A C T. So it th- it's, there's an I normally. They want to use E because they're trying to create this sort of evocative, like, old-timey stuff. And it drives me bonkers. And it throws up spell check. And the little squiggly line bugs me. But hey, it's in the style guide. So I, have to, I, I, I don't want to add it to my dictionary. But I do have to sort of deal with it. And, All right, so that's how they're going to do. Okay. A style guide can be just a few pages. It can be a page. It can be just a list of, hey, we use these words and they're spelled this way and they're capitalized. It can be a list of bullet points to say something like, yeah, you can swear in text. Go ahead. I don't give a shit. Do for it. You know, go for it. Oh, this is how we write stat blocks. This is how we write these components out. When we want to, you know, leave notes for the author, you use, you know, shift, caret, caret, and then you write in all caps um, or whatever. You, it, it maps out how someone helps build and create the idea. They do not need to be huge, long-involved things. And generally... If they are, they don't get all red. 
The average style guide is three pages. Sometimes four if you have like a lot of terms. Like if you're if you're years deep into a series like Fake Core, it's five pages because we have added over time this and this and this and this and this. But if, if you've just got one thing, it can be a paragraph. It can be just a half a page in Word. We capitalize these words, um, orient them vertically rather than horizontally, please, because I want to be able to snapshot and go, okay, there's the word. I don't want to, this takes time. So you're saying that's something that <clears throat> the designer would give to you they for can. editing? Yes. Okay. They can, or they can say, hey, make me one. Okay. But, but in it order doesn't to make actually one, go out to the public. Oh, God, no, no. It's an okay. internal document. Okay. Um, but when they say make me one, I'm still going to need a list of what are the words you capitalize. Right. What are the words you, what, what terms will always be in bold? What, how do you want to handle mechanics, whatever, layout? For my money, for my opinion, if you're already providing me that list, why don't you write it down? And then I'll just neaten it up. Um, because, yeah, because if, if, if we you're have to designing go, it, then you should know, you should know how it. you want things right. to be. So I'm just asking you to write it down so that right. when you give it to me, I can be consistent in helping you get your idea across. If you want to spell artifact wrong, you guys, go for it. I'll deal somehow. Now, in my business, as I said, we have not edited an RPG mm -hmm. yet. Not that we can't. I'm sure that we can, but we have not done right. that yet. But uh, when we're editing a manuscript, like the one I'm editing right now is, uh, is about Dracula. So um, the person has capitalized man and earth and, you know, a couple of different things. So we have to know... So whoever has the lead, one of us has the lead, and we make up the style right. guide and then give it to the other partner so that she can know this is, you know, from the very beginning. But it's not something that people give to us. It's something that we, we create. create. Uh, outside of gaming, uh, it's also a character, or story Bible, or a character Bible. Yeah. That kind of maps out the blueprints of what goes on underneath the text. It's the same thing. It's just written differently, and it's about different material. Uh, ideally, a story Bible does not include a page about, this is how we write mechanics. Um, it's because it's more about character and arc and feeling and vibe. But it's the same, it's the same thing with a different hat on. Um, what's my next major point? What time is it? Now we got time. Uh, it's not a bad thing if you don't have a style guide. Because let's say you're making a card game and it's very, very simple. Um, if you only have two or three rules... And it's all very clearly written out on the card. Whatever that card game might be, if it's if it's that clear, you don't need one really. If there's not right. much to it, right? You can write one. I mean, by all means, I'm not going to stop you. But ultimately, if I can look at your product and get it, I don't really need a style guide. Yeah, the game that I'm uh, one of the games that I brought with me to Metatopia that I'm playtesting tonight at ten and tomorrow night at ten. It's uh, I have three in three playing card size um, instructions. You know, that's it, just three playing card size. That's great. Uh, with the instructions. So it's real simple, so there's no style guide to it. The, the advice I always tell people is, if you're ever going to hire a freelancer to add text to your thing, whether that's flavor text or an expansion or a stretch goal in Kickstarter or whatever, um, produce the style guide. The minute it, ha it leaves you to yeah. be further added to, you want to give them the best roadmap they can because there's nothing worse than saying, hey man, could you write me 20,000 words 
about this particular element that I have in my game? Sure. And then giving them no further direction. So they just sort of spiral around and, and faff for 20,000 words. And you get it, and it's just, oh, 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 what am I supposed to do with this? Like, I hired you. For, I, I, if you don't provide explicit enough instruction, how can someone help you succeed? That's the question. And I'm glad that we're talking mm -hmm. about it because I have been contacted by someone. There's a set of books that he wants little short stories written in that same world. So I had planned to contact him and say, exactly what do you want me to do? But now I'm going to phrase it as, what's your style guide also? Because I want to know. He's having you know 20 people write little vignettes from that world but I don't want to step on somebody else's toes and write right. exactly the same and, thing and that they're writing it helps but, build consistency right and that's so I'm going to ask not just exactly what you know what time frame do you want me to write it in but I'm going to ask for a style guide too so that I can be consistent now if they don't know what a style guide is you can just go oh it's really easy your editor <laughs> will produce this it looks like this you know I'll write you right. one it's going to be 65 bucks because it's going to you know put gas in the car and buy me dinner but there you go. That's the thing. Right. Question. Yes, sir. So when you were talking about mechanical structure of yep. editing, which is like the first yeah. stage in the editing sure. of systems and the mechanics, mm -hmm. you said you hate the math. I do. I Okay. Who does the math? I end up doing the math. I mean, you can do it too. You're the creator. You should be doing the math too. Right. But the math has to get done, and it has right. to get done developmentally. And that can be a dog. Like if, if you're doing a card game where all of a sudden you're gonna fold in extra cards because you're like, the deck's not big enough, John. Well, shit, dude. Like, it's a pain in the neck. I'm going through this problem now where I'm like, I think I have enough cards. Mathematically, I'm technically okay, but there's no flexibility. Like, I have to have exactly this many cards. So God help me if later this weekend somebody's like, you know, John, five more cards would make a difference. Ugh. The math has to happen. The math for stats has to happen has to you're not ever it has to like it's it's the it's the engine under the game and if you intend that you know here's my curve for 3d6 or here's my curve for 2d10 you need to know what that is so that you're not asking someone to generate a number that cannot be generated I uh, one of my first projects many many moons ago was like uh, had, a, had a character creation system where we're gonna roll uh, what was it oh roll we're gonna roll 3d6 and then anytime you get over 20, we're going to add four points. 3d6 comes up quite often. It does. It's very common. Right. What if you but you're not going to get over 20. Then you use other options. Well, it depends. All right, so that's a developmental question. And the easiest answer is, uh, one, it's going to be specific to the thing you're making. And two, the question comes down to what do the dice do and what do the dice represent both as a created, what's called a created value, meaning if I roll these dice and I get a 10, what does the 10 mean? But also, why am I rolling the dice? What level of randomness am I trying to inject into the idea that you feel needs to be randomized? Why can't you just go, you succeed, or why, why, why am I doing this action? Um, both at the table psychologically and developmentally. It's why am I doing this and then what do the numbers mean and do I want to skew a certain way or not skew a certain way. So that's, that's the underlying thought under the math. And then if you're like, I want to accomplish X, 
and it needs to fall within this number range. The math just makes sure it falls within that number range. Because when when the, when the, the the guy tells me, oh yeah, three d six, and when you get twenty, you add numbers, and I, when I point out that if you multiply three times six, you will never get twenty. Oh yeah, you do. No, he meant forty six, but he had written two hundred eight pages of decent but slightly derivative material where it was all 3d6 he, he had code because he was just everybody rolls 3d6 for stats well you meant four and it's not it's not just find and replace threes with fours which is his solution to the problem which made it worse because all the threes changed then yeah uh find and replace is dangerous please don't do that take your time yes sir um backing off of that please like, i imagine that when there are two or more creators of the same game, that one person can specialize in the math, and one person can specialize in I would, I would, more I, abstract. I things. would hope so, but it doesn't necessarily. Very seldom is the case. So my question is: um, Is there? Would you propose a moratorium on co-creators editing each other? Yes, uh, as in don't. Right. Period. Uh, the worst thing in the world that happened is Google Docs. Because Google Docs gives you the ability to simultaneously co-create. Which sounds awesome, because we're going to be like two times productive in half the space. Except, if I'm writing on one page and I'm not seeing what Anne is writing on the other page, there is no guarantee we're going to agree. Particularly because we're not writing linearly. We're not writing, she's not writing chapter one and I'm writing chapter two. Because sometimes she'll start in one and I'm like, I got an idea for chapter six, I'm going to go write it down like five pages from here. Just because, oh, it's just a blank page. Simultaneous co-creation requires you to understand that there has to be a third, a, a compromise between voice. It cannot sound like author A and it cannot sound like author B. It must sound like author C. The problem is that author C has to be the sum total of knowledge between A and B. And A and B very seldom get on a, a close enough sync to make that matter. There's nothing wrong with co-creators, but it's, it's tricky. Especially well, if one person specializes only in math. Right. You could have two people, you know, co-create, but only one person actually write it down. Yeah. You know, everybody, each person develop the mechanics for it, but one person do the, the actual mechanics so that it is one right. voice. Because ultimately when it gets edited, it's, it's going to be put into one voice. Um, because it's, it's jarring otherwise, all of a sudden. Right. And, and it, it isn't just like... Um, oh, this is where the mechanics come in and it's sort of this hard slam between text and numbers. But it's also a, a stylistic sense. Maybe one of your writers writes very casually. So there's a lot of contractions and a lot of... It, it feels very much like, hey, buddy, I'm going to put my arm around you and we're going to talk for a few chapters versus somebody way more structured who's trying to be impressive and like, well, I'm going to speak to you professorally and we're going to... And the and two styles it. don't mesh. Yeah. Because... Yes, there might be multiple authors on the front cover, but that I shouldn't be aware of, oh, well, Bob wrote this chapter and this chapter, and Sally wrote this chapter and this chapter. It should sound like I should be able to open this book and go, I'm reading the thing and I get the whole picture. Because if I prefer Bob's sections to Sally's sections or vice versa, I am going to skip the stuff I don't want because I'm, I'm a human and I'm not going to slog through the tough stuff, especially if the tough stuff is mechanically important. Like, um, the, the terrible truth is that often the people who just do mechanics, they, they tend to not write because they, don't, they can't express it very clearly. 
So when they are forced to write, it's, it's very blocky and dry. And all of a sudden we go from having this cool atmosphere to like a truck, we, we slam the brakes on. And it's, oh God, here comes the math. Ugh. And I'm, I'm now very aware of, oh, this is the instructional part of our text. This doesn't feel fun anymore. As an example, if you, uh, you could go to the library and get out some books that have been written by two people and go through them yeah. and see if you can determine which one wrote what, and normally you can't. It, it, it should be all Ideally one Ideally, you can't. Right. Um, even in, um, from a visual editorial point, do not colorize differently each author. Don't write your stuff in blue and let somebody else write in green. Uh, I picked two obnoxious colors. But don't, I don't need to know who wrote what. I need to right. know what is written. Right. Because I ultimately, like, yes, I know to address you specifically about the issue you've written. But ideally I want this to sound like one person wrote this, even if that person is non-existent. It should be one document. Yeah. It shouldn't be a choppy as John said, it should because be one document. Because then you got to find segues and try to shoehorn it together. And, and, and this is not the same thing as saying I'm going to write every chapter as a separate document. There's nothing wrong with that. That's delightful. That's an editorial dream. Because then I know, oh, I'm only working on this stuff. Cool. I can compartmentalize and really focus. Great. But this is, you know, oh, Bob has written 1, 3, and 5, and Sally's written 2, 4, and 6. They are not stored in the same place. They are not finished on the same deadline. They are not coordinated. They might use different terminology. Oh, well, this is, again, it's got, style guide. Right, style, And, and right. put everybody on the same page, even if you're co-creating, even if you're like, oh, this idea is awesome, we're going to work on it together. Cool, but let's make sure it's coherent. Let's make sure it's right. cohesive. Did you have a question? Yeah, it was just, um, just from a <coughs> excuse me, um, project planning and mm -hmm. budgeting standpoint. Yes. Um, from when somebody sends you something, mm -hmm. like, yourselves or typically like how long would it take you maybe to decide if you would work on the job mm -hmm. or I'll just say like a let's say a 10 page rule book how long would somebody expect that might take to get looked at okay that that's a it, that's a very open-ended but just in terms of it's not open-ended it's very subjective because everybody works right. differently mm -hmm. um, and everyone has different projects that they're working on that they may have to put something off to do yours or put yours off until they're finished with something else. I will, I will use your example. And I can only speak for myself. Mm -hmm. um, and if you ask around, this is, this is no one's, this is, oh, you must be talking to John because John's sense of scale and, and, and effort is radically different than everybody else's. If you gave me a 10 page rule book, you'd have it back in about half an hour because I'll eat lunch while I do it because it's 10 pages and there should be sufficient white space. You can give me 10 pages of novel text, 45. And that's me. That's I've, I've, I, I know what I'm doing. I have a particular way I do it. Leave me alone and let me go do it and you'll get it done. Um, I used to be able to deliver any product in 48 hours. I no longer can do that. Uh, both because I have a lot of products to do and it, it is physically taxing to me. Um, so it's, it's a function of how big a thing it is and, and frankly how, how much editing it needs. The earlier a thing is, the more loose, the less formed, the more messy a thing is, it's obviously going to take longer. Um, but I'll decide... I, I see yeah, you. Yeah, go ahead. But I'll, I'll decide as to whether or not I take the project within 15 minutes of talking to you, 
because I'll ask you, okay, tell me about it. And if you give me a very tepid, gelatinous answer, oh, it's a it's a D&D clone, but uh, instead of, like, Forgotten Realms, we're, we're, we're in Aboriginal Australia. Okay. You don't sound very excited about it. How am I supposed to be excited about it? Um, and then it's a function of income and budget because I'll quote you a price and I'll want half up front because that way I know you're serious and you know I'm serious. And then when I hand you the contract that spells this all out uh, and you say, yeah, cool, I, I have an expectation now that you're going to pay me the, the several hundred dollars that you said you would. So it's, it's a function of time. Um, and Because I'll, I'll tell you, like, oh, I have openings between now and now if you want to get it done or you can always find me later and we can schedule something. But it's about how big it is and how messy it is and, and what you need done to it. So it's a very subjective answer. And it's, it's yeah. specific to the editor more than it is uniform. We'll take a little bit longer because it's the two of us. We usually ask, if it's a manuscript, we usually ask for 10 sample pages so we can take a look at the writing and determine whether it's going to take hours or whether it's going to be a pleasure. But we don't normally quote that way. It, uh, our price is not based on that. It's just the length of time. If we look at something and, and we know it's going to take you know, a long time, then we'll quote a longer time. But we do get back to you as soon as we can. And again, because it's the two of us, like if anything comes in today, my business partner is going to have to tell them to wait until Monday because I'm here. So um, you know, life happens when you've made other plans, said John Lennon. And it's one of my favorite quotes. Um, so we will get back to you as soon as we possibly can, and then we ask for the contract to be signed, and we ask for 25% deposit. And as soon as we get that, we'll start work. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't, I don't work till I get a contract and, and payment. Right. And if, if you're like, oh, you'll get started Tuesday, well, I assume then you're paying me on Monday. Right. Because uh, I don't work until the check clears. Right, or PayPal or whatever. Yeah, because yeah. Yeah, we're I've the had, same way. I've had too many people like withdraw that and go, oh, no, I'll, I'll get you later. Yeah. Cool. We had one client that we did two different projects for, and we told him in the email, this is what we're going to charge you for each project. Mm -hmm. And after we finished the first, he paid us, and then he said, go ahead, go ahead and do the second one. We did the second one, and he said, oh, I already paid you. And that was when we realized we need a contract for each and every yeah. job. And we had worked for him for five years. You know, we never thought that we needed that. So, yeah, we ended up not getting paid for the second project. So, yeah, we do a contract for everything. We don't start until we have 25% deposit and a signed contract. Yeah. And it's a pretty straightforward contract. It just says, hey, I'm going to do this by this date for this much money and get it back to you in this method. Yeah. Usually that's email. Unless I know you, and then it's like, oh, I'm going to come out of the house and pick it, you know, I'm going to, you know, hand it to you at dinner. Um, but nine times out of ten, it's, I'm going to email you when I'm done. And it's going to take X number of days or X number of, if it's an hour. Like, if, if, if I'm your friend, let's say, and you're like, hey, man, could you just read my, like, one paragraph? Yeah, fine, whatever. Throw me 20 bucks and I'm done. Because it'll, I'll do it while I'm talking to you. But, yeah, contract for every individual element of the job. Yes. And if you need to change the contract, or I need to change the contract because I read this thing and it's going great, and then all of a sudden, like, well, something happened in Chapter 5, man. I don't know what it was, but Chapter 5, the wheels came off the wagon. Can we, can we specify and take an extra week? And again, this is all subjective. I'm making up numbers for the sake of example. 
but it's about narrowing down and going, okay, I read the thing, I've looked at it. Sometimes I ask for sample pages. If I don't know you, I'm gonna ask for sample pages because yeah. I need to know how, how you put words together so I know how much work I need to do. Right. But if I know you and we've hung out and we've talked and I've worked on your other stuff before, oh yeah, I, I know how that person sounds. I don't need sample pages, we can just get right to it. All right, just trying to get an idea of, you know, there's been other things in the process where I'll, sure. oh, I think that should take a week and somebody comes back and says, oh, well, it's gonna be, you know, this, this kind of thing takes six weeks and it depends on the editing. I'm just saying. It depends on the person. Yeah. It depends on what, uh, game development. Also, novel development is a lot yeah. of hurry up and wait. A lot of hurry up and wait. Okay, I'm going to do this in a great flurry of activity, and then it's going to cool off for a while, and then you get back to it. There's, it works in bursts. You had a question. Um, did you? Yeah. I did. Okay. You'll no be our last question. Okay. Cool. Assume, assuming there's no bad editing, how do you find the right editor for you? How do you source the best? Um, okay, that's a great question. There are a couple ways to do it. Uh, one, uh, make sure the editor edits the thing you have. Like, you can bring me anything. You can bring Anne, it sounds like anything. Great. And by talking to us outside of specifically contracting us for this job, see if we agree. See if, you know, I sound personable to you. Um, if, you know, you're okay with a guy who's going to write a comment and they're going, what is this shit? Why is it here? If that's, you know, okay. Cool. I'm not. I. This is how I present. This is this is me, man. Like, you're getting the whole John effect. Um, I, I don't tuck my shirt in. I don't tuck my shirt in when I write comments. The. Um, it's it's a function of communicate to them, talk to them, talk to them outside of just doing the project. Because I'm a human before I am. A, I am the orbital platform of destruction, that will come in and Death Star your Alderaan, and make your thing work. Um, and it is very possible that you will work with a person who will help your product, but you, it, you know, they, did, they, did, they, did, they did the job and that was it. And the thing I will caution you against is test driving multiple editors, uh, specifically because of samples. I see this in novel development. I'll give you two pages to see if I like the way you edit. I'll give this editor over here two different pages. I'll give another editor over there two different oh. pages so that when I get all the feedback back, I've got six edited pages. <laughs> don't, we talk, don't, don't do that. That's not cool, man. Like, we're trying to be cool with each other. Be Fonzie. Be cool. Yeah, if somebody sends me a sample that is, like, page three to page five, I yeah. know something like that is right. going on. They but do that a lot. We normally ask for sample pages three from the beginning, three from the end, and four from the middle because sure. typically people peter out in the middle and, and they spend more time working on the, the beginning and more time on yeah. the end. But also, ask for referrals take a look at their websites and see if there are any testimonials on there uh, take a look at Facebook pages see if there's any testimonials in in gaming the the best advice I can give you for gaming is go upstairs go look at my at, at Jim's stuff at modern myths open up the book you like and see who edited it chances are the thing you like is the thing you like because they edited it or in part so right. work with simpatico people Thank you so much, everybody. Thank you. Thank you. Coming and hanging Thank out. Thank you. Uh, if you'd like some cards, by all means, I have cards. And I have.